RTHK News. It's one o'clock. I'm Aaron Tam. The headlines. Five lawyers who advocate professionalism over politics have swept an election for seats on the Law Society's Council. A Hong Kong filmmaker has urged authorities to clarify exactly what will be banned in the proposed film censorship law. And microbiologist Jun Kwok Yong says Hong Kong should maintain its zero COVID strategy. Following Chief Executive Carrie Lam's warning to the Law Society not to be political, five lawyers who advocated professionalism over politics have been elected to the group's 20-member council. The high-profile election came after Mrs. Lam warned it to stay out of politics or risk the fate of the Professional Teachers Union, which disbanded after the government cut ties with it. Lawmaker Paul Te, who's also a solicitor, said the CE's comments may have had some effect. Well, uh, normally you would expect a, a sort of a warning. You've heard a com- comment from uh, Terry Lamb. I have the opposite effect, but on this occasion, it turned out that it might have just hit the, uh, the right uh, button, since that people are not uh, so keen about the profession uh, losing its uh, self-governing uh, uh, capacity. So in a way, that, uh, that might have worked. DAB lawmaker Holden Chow welcomed the result and said those elected will focus on professional matters. Mr. Chow also said he agrees with Mrs. Lam's view that the group should avoid politics. Indeed, I quite agree with her point of view. Imagine if a professional body uh, abandoned the way to focus on professional matters. Instead of doing this, they focus on meddling with politics. I mean, what's the point? What's the point to have a partnership with this sort of professional body and to fortify its status? Prominent movie director Mabel Chung has called on the government to clarify what would be banned under the proposed film censorship law, though the director said she doesn't think anyone in Hong Kong would intentionally make films to threaten national security. She said the trade had met with officials and asked them what would not be allowed, but was not given a definitive answer. Speaking on an RTHK program, Ms. Chung also expressed worries over the fact that filmmakers could only challenge a ban by filing a judicial review in court rather than going to an appeal board. Now, if it involves national security, the chief secretary could ban the movie. The appeal committee will not handle it. They say you can file a judicial review, but the process with a judicial review is long and indefinite, and the movie will definitely miss the screening schedule. It will be waiting indefinitely. National Security Police have written to the Alliance in support of democratic patriotic movements in China asking for the group's detailed information. The Alliance's Vice Chair Chao Hangtong says the request cites the national security law and asked for information relating to suspicions that the group is an agent of foreign or Taiwanese political organizations. Ms. Chao denies that her group is such an agent but says they'll have to meet up and discuss the next course of action. An employer representative says they are worried good workers will leave their companies if forced to get inoculated against COVID-19. The Life Honorary Chairman of the Small and Medium Enterprises Association, Danny Lau, made the comments after the CE urged companies to follow the government's example of requiring staff to be vaccinated or to pay for their own regular COVID testing. Employers are facing, uh, they will lose some, some good personnel because uh, employees may may uh, push back and refuse to get vaccinated and, and quit. Uh, nowadays, it's ra- rather difficult to get good employees. 
Students aged 12 or above can walk in and take their coronavirus jabs at 24 vaccination centers starting from Friday. Currently, people who are 60 or older can get a same-day ticket to receive a COVID-19 jab without having to make an online reservation. The government decided to extend the arrangement to cover students studying at primary and secondary schools as well as post-secondary institutions. Authorities hope the arrangement will assist students who have not been vaccinated to get their jabs. Prominent microbiologist Yun Kwok Yong has said Hong Kong should maintain its zero-COVID strategy to buy time to vaccinate as many people as possible, though he warned that herd immunity is unachievable with the emergence of the Delta variant. Natalie Cheng reports. In an article published in Ming Pao, Professor Yun and his team from the University of Hong Kong said striving to achieve herd immunity is like building a castle in the sky as the Delta variant is transmissible among vaccinated people. They said previously, herd immunity could be achieved if 70% of the population was vaccinated with BioNTech jabs, which have an efficacy rate of 95%. But their latest calculations shows that threshold had increased to 97.4%. However, they said vaccination is still needed as it could prevent complications and deaths. They added Hong Kong could only find ways to live with the virus when everyone is vaccinated. Overseas, Democrats in the U.S. House of Representatives have reached a compromise that brings President Biden's $1 trillion infrastructure bill a step closer to being enacted. They'll vote in September on legislation already approved by the Senate. Progressives had wanted the bill to be tied to another piece of legislation. Mr. Biden said he welcomed the debate. I also want to thank every Democrat in the House who worked so hard over the past few weeks to reach an agreement and who supported the process for House consideration of the jobs and infrastructure plan, the Build Back Better effort. There were differences, strong points of view. They're always welcome. What is important is that we came together to advance our agenda. President Biden has said the evacuation mission from Afghanistan can be completed by the deadline of August the 31st and needs to be because of the growing risk of attacks on Kabul airport by militants linked to the Islamic State group. But he said meeting the deadline would require continued cooperation from the Taliban. Here's the BBC's Nomia Akbal. The Taliban have issued this threat that if American troops stay beyond August the 31st or any of the allied troops, then there will be consequences. And I think Joe Biden is very mindful of that. He's been defiant throughout this whole process. I don't think anyone expected him to change his mind. What he came across as in that press conference was someone who is very confident that this evacuation mission will go to plan. He points out that since August the 12th, more than 70,000 people have been flown out of Kabul. And he says that uh, they believe that They have enough time, they have enough resources to get everybody out that wants to get out. The UN is warning that low supplies of food aid is threatening to plunge Afghanistan into a humanitarian disaster once winter arrives. The executive director of the World Food Group, David Beasley, says years of drought, conflict and worsening economy had been compounded by the pandemic. Just when you think it really can't get any worse, uh, it is. We literally are looking at, because of economic deterioration, conflict, COVID, uh, you're seeing the worst case scenario develop. We have now 14 million people marching to the brink of starvation in Afghanistan. And if we don't receive the monies that we need in the next literally few weeks, if not months, we could have a catastrophe on top of a catastrophe. 
The online accommodation platform Airbnb says it wants to house 20,000 Afghan refugees to help them resettle. It's already hosting 200 Afghans in its properties, mainly in the U.S., and is now working with Airbnb proprietors all over the world. The effort is paid for by the company's charitable arm. Airbnb's chief executive Brian Joseph Chesky said it was the right thing to do. This struck us as one of the greatest humanitarian crises of my lifetime, at least from a housing displacement's point of view. I had a conversation a few days ago with my co-founder, Joe Gebbia, and we just thought, you know, maybe this is an opportunity for us to step up and lead by example. I think doing good, you know, it kind of is contagious and, you know, people tend to be inspired and want to step up in their own way. And I just think that the business community is generally ready to step up. They just sometimes need to feel compelled to do it. The World Bank says it's suspending aid to Afghanistan because of the Taliban seizure of power. The bank said it was deeply concerned at the impact this would have on development projects, especially those currently benefiting women, and would closely monitor the situation. Observers say well over half the Afghan government budget is funded by international donors, so withdrawals or suspensions will have a big impact. Charlie Watts, the drummer with the Rolling Stones for almost 60 years, has died in London at the age of 80. Acclaimed as one of the greatest drummers of his generation, he was already going to miss the Stones' forthcoming tour of the U.S. Along with Mick Jagger and guitarist Keith Richards, Watts was one of the group's longest surviving members. He said in 2001 he'd always had mixed feelings about being so well-known. I've always kept it a long way away from me. A, because I never really believe it, or to be honest with you, and uh, I feel happier that way. The Rolling Stones finish when the curtain closes. <laughs> and I've always been like that, even when I used to hate guys chasing me down the road. And I mean, it, it's a bit flattering in that, but I used to actually hate it. Paul McCartney, Elton John and Brian Adams were among those expressing sadness at the loss. The Beatles drummer Ringo Starr tweeted, We're going to miss you, man. In financial news, a short time ago, the Hang Seng Index was at 25,646, 81 points down on the previous close. Turnover stands at $98 billion. Currencies, the U.S. dollar is trading at 109.75 yen. The euro is standing at 1 U.S. dollar and 17 cents. The pound is worth 10 Hong Kong dollars and 67 cents. To sports, competition at the Tokyo Paralympics has begun with Hong Kong featured in swimming and table tennis. Swimmer Chan Yue Lam finished first in her women's 100-meter butterfly heat. However, Tang Wai Lok, a gold medalist in Rio 2016, finished last in his 100-meter butterfly heat. He'll be defending his 200-meter freestyle title on Friday. Football's world governing body, FIFA, is to receive $201 million in compensation for losses suffered in corruption. The money will come from funds forfeited during investigations by the U.S. Department of Justice. The BBC's Charles Haviland reports. The Department of Justice's football investigation started in 2015. To date, it's seen dozens of defendants charged, 27 people and four corporate entities pleading guilty, and two people convicted. The first tranche of compensation, more than $30 million, will fund a new World Football Remission Fund, helping finance projects across the globe. An FBI official said the silver lining of the scandal was that money would now help underprivileged people, not wealthy executives who were just trying to get richer. 
Clubs in the English Premier League have confirmed that they will not release players for international matches played in red-listed countries next month. The UK government's COVID rules require travellers who have visited countries on the restricted list to isolate for a 10-day period on return. More from the BBC's Alex Howe. The decision of the clubs to vote this way, which is supported by the Premier League, applies to nearly 60 players from 19 of the Premier League clubs. And those players were due to go to 26 red list countries in the September international uh, break. They say talks have been had with the government, uh, with the FA, but no exemption has been granted On the pitch, Benfica are back in the Champions League group stage after a goalless draw at PSV Eindhoven. Last week's 2-1 win in the home leg was enough to send the Portuguese side back into Europe's top competition after a one-year absence. Sweden's Malmo and young boys of Switzerland have also qualified. The Denmark captain Simon Kerr and Team Medics have been honoured by UEFA for saving Christian Eriksen's life at Euro 2020. The BBC's Jordan Algots reports. Denmark captain Simon Kier and the medical team that saved the life of Christian Eriksen at this summer's Euro 2020 have been given an award by football's European governing body. The UEFA President's Award recognises their vital efforts after Eriksen suffered a cardiac arrest and collapsed on the pitch. In Denmark's opener against Finland in Copenhagen, Kier was praised for his exceptional leadership qualities as his teammate was resuscitated by medics. Eriksen is now on the road to recovery. UEFA President Alexander Seferin said the award serves as an eternal reminder of just how precious life is. England's cricketers are looking to level their home series against India as they play the third test at Headingley today. England are without key players, including bowlers Stuart Broad, Mark Wood and Jofra Archer. Batsman Dawid Malan said the team remained confident despite the changes. You know, you come in and you've still got Joe Root and Jimmy Anderson and, and guys that have done exceptionally well over the last sort of 12 to 18 months that are, that are playing, that have done exceptionally well. Um, I think if you look at, you know, from an outsider point of view, I think both tests have sort of been pretty even as well. India just had a, a hell of a last day and, and, and sort of won that day. But if you look at the other, or was it eight days in the, in the series up till then, it was sort of neck and neck. Um, so I think the boys took a lot of confidence from that. India captain Virat Kohli says his t- side can handle any England lineup. Even when the key players are playing, we, we think we can beat anyone in the world. It, we don't wait for the opposition to be weak. So I don't think that that is the right question to ask a team that's been playing such good cricket over the last so many years uh, that we depend on the teams in front of us being weak to have an opportunity to win a series. That's not how we play and how we approach every series. To the weather forecast, hot with sunny periods and a few showers, light to moderate southerly winds. The outlook, very hot tomorrow, showers and sunny intervals in the next couple of days. Temperature now is 33 degrees with humidity at 65%. The news from RTHK.
Could you buy a booty child if you were mine? Would that be fine? Like dancing in the moonshine, and we could float across the sky. You and I, would we be that high? And we could dance across the clouds. Could we go when no one else is allowed? Oh yes, we can, can. Here to make you feel good. If I'm your angel, I want it real good. We'll make it hot like the summertime. Time. Make love in the stars. I'll be your Venus. I will be your Mars. Dance on, angel, dance on. Good afternoon and welcome to the 123 show with me, Noreen Mayer, on this Wednesday afternoon. Wednesday, the 25th of August, is today's date. Many thanks once again to James, James Ross, for doing the morning brew today. Always lovely to bump into James. We've got Cruzy McCalligan. Finally, I get to reunite with Cruzan this week for our midweek audio column. And this week, Cruz and I will be chatting about snails. And meanwhile, there'll be some great music coming your way on this Wednesday afternoon. So feel free to get in touch uh, with us. Uh, Noreen Mayer on RTHK Radio 3 is the page to go to. Or you can email me, 123show at rthk.hk. 